Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 86 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is John Skeet. John is a staff software engineer at Google, working from the London office on the Google Cloud Client Libraries for .NET. He's probably better known for his contributions on Stack Overflow and his book, C Sharp in Depth. John is married to Holly Webb, a prolific children's author, and they have three children together. So, John, can you expand on that brief summary and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Well, the, the first thing that struck me listening to that was uh, when I said that I work from the London office. And while that is true, I actually spend quite a lot of time where I am right now, which is in my shed, uh, which is uh, sort of converted to a home office. I'm a big fan of working from home. So you're not surrounded by uh, gardening implements? No, I'm actually surrounded by lovely things. I have uh, some Miro prints on the wall, and there's an ice cream maker in here, and air conditioning, and uh, stereo surround, in fact, surround sound system. So yes, as sheds go, it's fairly high tech. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Beyond that, um, that was mostly focusing on what I do for a living, and obviously a little bit about my family. I'm also passionate about feminism, and I'm a Methodist local preacher, and I thoroughly enjoy musical theatre as well. Those are probably the, the biggest high spots of my uh, of my personality to focus on. Right. Okay, John, can you maybe share a unique career tip with the IT Career Energizer audience? Perhaps one they don't know and probably should? So I don't know whether it's actually unique, but it seems to be in short supply, which is the idea that you will make far quicker progress in the long run if you take one step at a time. Certainly, when programming, if I don't know what I'm doing on five different fronts at the same time, then it's very hard to make progress in any direction. Because if something goes wrong, you've no idea whether it's that I haven't got my debugger set up properly, or I haven't got the right version of SDK, or the library's wrong, or the internet connection's down, or it all just gets too much. Whereas if you take one step at a time, make sure you're in a language you're comfortable in. And if you are learning a new language, start with really simple things, just so that you feel familiar in the language, then take another step. Well, what happens if I try to run a server with this language? You know, that's, that's a harder environment to do diagnostics in, debugging, etc. So just do that and do the simplest possible server. Don't immediately start saying, right, I'm going to do a distributed server doing incredibly complicated things. No, you write a hello world as a server, etc. Now, that's sort of one style of activity. The other style of activity to embrace sometimes, but be really aware that you're doing it, is where you do want to do exactly that, stepping into the dark. I'm going to try doing something that I have never tried before, and for the sake of it, I will do several things I've never tried before, and I expect to fail, and it's fine. And I will learn a lot and be conscious of what I am learning as I go along. But I wouldn't do that for very much of the time and be very conscious of when you're doing it. Most of the time, I do like to go one step at a time, always staying 
in my comfort zone for most of the aspects and then have one extra thing that I want to experiment with, I want to learn about, I want to dive a bit deeper into. Yeah, so would you describe that as some sort of incremental process? Yes, yeah, basically. Or don't run before you can walk. <laughs> it's it's age-old advice, and it's not particularly IT-specific, but what I tend to see is people falling down because for some reason IT almost encourages you to run before you can walk. Yep, they're very true. So, John, can you maybe tell us about your worst IT career experience um, and what you learned from it? Sure. And several people will give examples of I deployed something awful to production or whatever. Mine isn't so much technical, but it was definitely the low spot of my career in a very, very real sense. So I was working on a product that had to ship fairly soon, and I was responsible for running an awful lot of tests. I spent probably a month pretty much just running tests, tweaking tests, tweaking the code to see whether I could fix what I just found to be wrong, etc. And in order to do this effectively, I was coming into work much earlier than normal and leaving much earlier as well. But I was going to the station at, I think, about half past three in the morning when I was mugged. And that was a horrific experience. And it all came at a time where I wasn't getting enough sleep because even if you try to go to bed early so that you can get up early, I don't know about you, but I always find I don't sleep as well as I do normally. It was all very stressful. And the mugging was just the straw that broke the camel's back. I I hasten to add, I was physically fine, mostly just shaken, but it was a very, very unpleasant experience. And I'm sure when I look back over my career and anything associated with work, that will be the low spot. Even though we were miles away from work, it's associated with work. And what I've really learned is to take more care of myself, not in terms of avoiding being mugged. It so happened that that was because it was very early in the morning. I suspect if it had been my more normal time of getting to the station at sort of quarter to seven in the morning, there would have been enough people that wouldn't have happened. But it was more around that whole period of time. Uh, I actually had people saying to me, John, you look really awful at the moment. Are you okay? And that's me not taking enough care of myself, pushing myself too hard, allowing myself to be pushed too hard. And I'm sure there are better ways I could have handled that pressure and worked smarter and just not burnt myself out. And it, it wasn't even the typical kind of burnout of typing furiously, writing loads of code. I was just putting in lots of hours and the wrong hours. And you've got to take care of yourself, basically. So that's what I learned from that horrible experience. Burning the candle at both ends, maybe? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so moving away from your worst experience, can you perhaps tell us about your career highlight or greatest success? So I view those as two very different things. And the difference is whether they're things I've done or things I've enjoyed. So there are achievements I'm proud of. Without wishing to brag too much, I I am proud of being at the top of Stack Overflow. I hope that that is the result of helping thousands of people. Great. I'm proud of the book that I'm just finishing up the fourth edition of, C Sharp In Depth. Uh, I'm proud of Nodatime as a software project. But none of those are really the career highlights because those have always been talking with other people. So in June, for example, I spent a fair amount of time with Mads Torgerson, uh, who is 
the sort of lead designer on the C-sharp programming language. And we spoke for a few hours to a user group in Copenhagen and then spoke the next night to a user group in Oslo and then gave a presentation together the next day in Oslo. So we had quite a lot of time together and Mads is just a fantastic guy in terms of personality and also what he doesn't know about C-sharp isn't worth knowing. And it's not just what he knows, but what he feels and the way that he can articulate the reasons that C-sharp is designed in the way it is. Oh, well, we did that to prevent developers from falling into such and such a trap, or we've done that so that we're not blocking ourselves into a corner for a future feature that you know, maybe we don't know about yet, but we think there might be something in this area so we don't want to block ourselves out. So that kind of thing, and that's just one example. I've spoken with so many people. I've been really privileged to speak at lots of conferences, meet loads of people, and it's really the the people I've worked with that have provided the highlights rather than code I've written. Yeah, that's great to hear. So moving on from career highlights and low points, can you maybe tell us what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? I think to some extent, it's how little we know about it. So I was talking with someone about this just yesterday, that hundreds of years ago, the lives of your parents would be very similar to your life, which would be very similar to your children's lives. Whereas now we're in an age where when you go to university, the jobs that half of the students will take up when they graduate don't exist yet. And that's just a mind-blowing thing that really turns all kinds of things around education on its head. Yep. So I have no crystal ball. We can have some kind of guess about what five years' time might look like in tech, and we'll probably be somewhat wrong. As soon as we start talking 10 years' time, you know, I have kids who are 14 and 12, so they'll be graduating probably um, in about 10 years' time, I haven't the faintest idea what tech's going to be like then, but I'm sure it will be exciting. So maybe the machine learning wave will continue and keep building momentum and become easier and easier for anyone to, to take huge amounts of data and say, please, I just want to make sense of this. Maybe it'll be entirely different and in a whole area that no one's really considering right now. So I love that, that sense of the possible. So we're going to go into the reveal round now. Are you ready for this, John? I think so. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? So I got a ZX Spectrum 48K when I was oh, probably about eight, seven or eight, and initially played on games, which were all very primitive at the time. Or oh, actually thinking back, Elite was the first game I played that felt like it had a real large amount of depth, and I'm still amazed that it was available in 48k and basically eventually i started programming in spectrum basic and i ended up writing a logo interpreter because we had logo on the bbc micro computers at school and i didn't have it on the spectrum and so not knowing that you don't just implement programming language yourself i did Um, (laughs) i'd love to look at that code now because i'm sure it's absolutely ghastly but i was i still am really proud of it just for having the uh, the audacity to to do it back then so 
that was one thing I wrote on the Spectrum. I wrote various other little games, nothing serious in terms of you know, useful to anyone else. Uh, this wasn't something I shared with anyone else, but I just fell in love with programming back then at sort of age nine or 10. And I've never looked back really. There's never been any doubt in my mind since, since I started programming that that would be what I want to do. At some point, I thought it might be something to do with maths as well and complexity theory and artificial life and all kinds of things, but it would always be sort of computer-centric. What is the best career advice you've ever received? I think it's to be good at one thing, which doesn't mean only being good at one thing, but make sure there's at least one area that you're really, really comfortable in. So it's great if you can be a sort of jack-of-all-trades, competent at front-end development, back-end development, CSS, Angular, React, whatever it is, there's several strings to your bow, but make sure there's one thing that if someone in the office says, I'm having a problem with X, they say, there's the person you should go to, and they point at you, and you, know, you are the source of information about that one topic. And when you dive deeply into something, you always find there's more to it than you had anticipated. You always find the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And that's a great thing. So have a balance between, sure, knowing plenty of things to just as much as you need, but have one thing that you're the expert on. If you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? I have no idea. And that's not actually, that that's not meant to be a simple answer, but I wanted to highlight the fact that things change so quickly. So any answer I could give now if I could start again, but with hindsight, would then be useless again in one year's time because things move so quickly. So it really depends on what what would hook me. So it was the spectrum back when I was younger. Maybe I would start coding in Android. Maybe I'd start doing something in Xamarin. Maybe I'd start with uh, Arduino or, or Raspberry Pi. I've no idea what would grab me as a teenager. Um, or me as a graduate, you know, I'm certainly not going to claim that everyone needs to start their IT career when they're a teenager, uh, by any means. I can't look back now and say, yes, if I was starting again, I would be hooked by X, because those type of things tend to happen by serendipity rather than design. So I'm a big fan of do something that you're really interested in for whatever reason you're interested. Maybe it's just loads of fun. Maybe it's because it's a means to a greater end. You know, you're you're trying to organize the rotor for volunteering at a soup kitchen. Yeah, and the volunteering at the soup kitchen is what you're really interested in. But as it happens, putting the rotor together, you find, oh, well, maybe I could just automate this so it would work out the best way of organizing the rotor. And then you fall into all kinds of optimization things. And lo and behold, you're having more fun developing than ever before. So it's always what would be the hook. And I find that really difficult to predict. What career objectives are you currently focusing on? Having a good time. (laughs) Which, again, sounds sort of silly. um, But it, it is the one thing about my career that has been fairly constant. I have never chased money or power or management responsibility or anything like that. I've chased having a nice life. So I'm sure that I could earn more if I went into fintech, for example, 
but I suspect that I personally wouldn't enjoy it as much. And I'm not saying anything against fintech. It's just not my cup of tea, as far as I'm aware. Whereas the job that I'm, the role I'm in right now, writing C Sharp at Google, developing client libraries, representing Google on the .NET Foundation, all of these things, they just suit me. And I get to work from home a lot of the time, which means I see my family a lot, which means a huge amount to me. And all of these things just contribute to having a really blessed life. I feel very, very privileged in, the word privilege is used in all kinds of contexts these days, and probably most of them apply to me. So yeah, I just feel incredibly lucky to be doing what I'm doing. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? I would say empathy and compassion, which I know you've had April Wenzel recently, so you've probably heard a lot about compassionate coding, but really the ability to look at the world from other people's perspectives is absolutely crucial for software. We've done pretty well so far at solving the problems that straight white men have and not so well at solving the problems that are faced by people who aren't represented in software. And part of that is because obviously the tech industry is massively skewed in terms of representation. And partly it's a failing on our part to try to empathize and try to understand the challenges that other people face. So rather than one sort of bit of advice or skill, uh, I would say this is where my learning gradually about feminism, I regard myself as a feminist novice, and I'll probably perpetually be a feminist novice, but feminism and particularly intersectional feminism is all about trying to see multiple perspectives and understand the different challenges that different people face and that they are different. So that ends up being incredibly useful when you're writing documentation or answering on Stack Overflow or designing a product. All of these things require trying to get into somebody else's mind and look at the world from their perspective instead of your own. John, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career energizer audience? Really just focus on your life. Think about what is genuinely important to you and pursue that. So that might mean getting out of IT entirely. If you turn up every day and say, well, I'm kind of enjoying myself, But actually, what's really bugging me is environmental issues, and I can see an opportunity to go and make a difference. Then go and make a difference. You only have one life to lead. You get to decide what you will deem important. Chase that. And finally, John, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? So I have a blog. Well, I have blog.johnskeet.uk, which is uh, very rarely updated and mostly about feminism. There's codeblog.johnskeet.uk, which is exactly what it sounds like. I'm John Skeet on Twitter. And of course, there's Stack Overflow as well if you have any programming questions. Great. John, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. My pleasure. As always, my thanks go to my guest on today's show. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e and then the number of today's episode i also want to thank you for your continued support it's always great to hear from listeners particularly when they have suggestions about potential guests or ways to improve the show 
and this was one of the reasons for creating the new IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. I'm really excited about taking the podcast forward, and I hope that you'll continue to support and listen to the show as it continues to change and evolve. Thanks for listening, and remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.